Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror and media. And today, it's John's birthday! I'm excited. And uh, John, what the fuck did you want us to do today? (laughs) I I wanted to revisit The Witch and Hereditary because Uh we did that podcast or this episode really early on it might be like the second episode of oh, this yeah, podcast like ever it's awful <laughs> it's so bad i hate it's it so, so much I, i'm I really sorry like. i everyone that listened to it good yeah. job if you got through that like it's, well, <laughs> it's well, really funny though because is, yeah uh every time i tell someone that I, hey i have a podcast or i'm on a podcast they're like oh i'm gonna start at the beginning and then they go to the witch no. episode they're like dude you weren't on it what the fuck this is exactly why i took away the numbers you can start anywhere in the podcast. Whatever interests you, go to that episode. Yeah, there is nothing. Yeah, there's no. You don't this. have to go to the beginning. But I wanted to rehash these two films because uh, this is the crew that we're sticking with. All of the hosts completely mm-hmm. different, and I think it'd be good to go back and take a look at these movies again. Plus, this is like the second or third time that I've seen these movies, and I feel like I saw a lot more in them. Definitely, there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about, uh, especially with um, these two movies. Um, have we even mentioned the names of them yet? I don't think we No. Did. No, we haven't. <laughs> so today we are doing The Witch and Hereditary. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> You'll remember our two-hour take on this back in uh, 2019. God, that was <sighs> a really long episode. <laughs> oh, God. I remember being in the room doing that one. Yeah. It was a good time. We didn't even know that we would even have this little thing going or where it was going to go and yeah. if it was even going to make anything. And now here it is. Still not making anything. No. Still not, <laughs> yeah, still, yeah, still not making anything. My bills are still coming out of a different pocket. I'm just kidding. We have one patron. Thank you, Anthony. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Anthony. <laughs> the one patron. <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa. He is the glorious one yes, forever. Exactly. We should true. give him his own title. Yeah. He's the glorious one. I'll figure out like a way to like have a name on, the, on patreon him. and like yeah. yeah it'll like send a message to him every month oh, it's yeah. cool we'll, it'll work out anyway we should start with the witch though we, we should get on with the witch uh <laughs> okay so the witch was directed by robert eggers it is his first movie day uh debut directorial it was made in 2015 um so let's see the budget was four million dollars, and it grossed twenty-five million one hundred thirty-eight thousand. So it made its money back. It's good to know. I thought it made somewhere around forty million, like a little more. But I mean, it's oh wait, that was the USA. You were correct. It made forty million worldwide. Okay, uh, we were just looking at different numbers, but like collectively, so it made a, it made a good amount of money. That's a pretty good slot for your debut film. Yeah, honestly. Not a lot of people could get that big of a turnout for their debuts. A lot of people didn't like this movie. I, I saw a bunch of reviews, and the the critics really like it, but most of the standard patrons did not like this movie. I could understand that. I can understand why. I feel like the language of the film oh is, is really hard to stomach sometimes, but I also think that's one of the beautiful parts of it at the same time is the piece. language that they – yeah, and so because it's such a – it's so entranced in that period, or at least it tries really hard to be. Also another A24 film. Both yeah, both H1. of these are A24 How many movies. have we covered now from A24? So many. <laughs> like <Because laughs> five or six? <laughs> like is amazing. They just do good fucking movies. Yeah, they've been releasing a lot of good films. I will say, though, that it's a period piece from the 1630s. Yeah, when all of the New Englanders were trying to settle on the North American land and having a terrible fucking time. <laughs> well, well, this, this story in particular takes place uh, with a family who's been excommunicated from their from their like group yeah basically due to the father's past what a great casting for the father oh yeah absolutely his voice is nuts like he has such a good voice for voice acting and he's the first person to speak in the film but i like that he basically tells them to fuck off where he's like i'm gonna do whatever i want i'm not gonna be judged by you fake christians Right. Yeah, and that's that's one of the one of the parts of the film that drags the entire family down is yep. it's his sinful pride that like infects their Garden of Eden, if you will, <laughs> of the basically these the they enter into this new farm and they're going to start their new life away from their community that they've been excommunicated due to the husband's pride, which is revealed a little bit later. Yeah. During a fight between the wife and the husband. Yeah, so we're talking about Ralph Innocent. 
Uh, yes. If you don't know him, he was on Game of Thrones. Yeah. As well as Kate Dickey, who plays Catherine, who also breastfeeds on Game of Thrones. Yep. <laughs> That's the first scene you meet her is like a, the Lyanna Stark. Thing. Oh, shit. I totally forgot about that. Yep. It yep. is her. Uh, Anna Taylor is Tom Thomason, her first acting role ever. What? That was her first role? Yep. Whoa. Yeah. That she, seems just, that does not seem like her first her, role. Her eyes, dude. She, well, she was doing modeling prior, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just feel like it doesn't translate into acting, but maybe you know how to look. Uh, probably my favorite character is played by Harvey Scrimshaw, um, the little son. Uh, his name is Caleb. Yeah. And then Ellie Granger and Lucas Dawn as Mercy and Jonas. Those, Fucking the, terrible children. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, they they're absolute the trash. They're they are the they're like the crowd in like the crucible. That's what they yes. are in this one. They are the crowd in the crucible. If you've ever seen or read the play The Crucible, you know about it's they're basically just the frantic and scared public in this in this small like uh, situation we have yeah. brewing here. I think what I liked a lot about this film in, in particular was that they consulted a lot of people for the accuracy of the items in the movie, for their clothes, what they would be saying. So everything is like period correct for what they were for what they were doing. I'm glad you bring that up because they used real pilgrim slash uh, what is it noble or what are they called? I'm um, not sure the type of society that they live in. It would just be like Puritan. Yeah, Puritan. Yeah, thank Puritan. You. That's yeah. They use real Puritan techniques. They use that like the real techniques to construct the farm and the house. Oh, as in like the people who made it, who made the set. Yes. Jesus, way to make your job hard. <laughs> and then. They only use natural overcast lighting and candlelight to light the film. There's no artificial lighting. Yeah, makes sense why this movie fucking has terrible lighting, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It does have some pretty gnarly lighting points. I liked the lighting on a lot of the shots, though. But I guess I can see why you could. some of it can look a little amateurish. It's a little dark sometimes. I just A little bit too dark or too light sometimes also. Like, there's too much brightness from, like, one area that doesn't need to be there. That's what I felt like when I was watching it. It was too saturated in one or the other. A um, couple other production notes. So Robert Eggerts made this movie because the witches were basically like a thing that haunted him ever since he was a kid in his dreams. Um, and he felt like uh, him and his like college friends would make stories about witches and like basically just all as they would go through the woods, just like, oh, dude, a witch is totally going to get you right there. And they would just like kind of freak each other out. And then the other actor who was in this movie, Charlie the Goat. Was a the actor's f- name Charlie? His name's Charlie. He was a fucking <laughs> asshole on the entire set and actually gored uh, the fuck Ralph Ennison on set. And they had to actually take him to the hospital. Holy shit, what happened? He got gored. Like, yeah. like just he, like he did in the movie. He actually yeah. got gored. Oh. Actually gored, yeah. Like the goat like, fucking charged his ass. Born uh, in fucking body. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well. That's- Oftentimes, At least you got the shot. No, <laughs> that's that's a lot of the times why you see the goat being seen as like the epitome of Satan or something like that is because it's the adversary. It is the unwieldy creature that you have no control over. Whereas the sheep will tell, will listen to you and go where you want it to go. And be like, you go over here, sheep. Me, I will. And then the goat, however, says, "Fuck off! I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want because I'm a goddamn goat or yeah, whatever." The fuck. I like that the goat was called Black Philip. Yeah, that's Black a good one. <laughs> Black Philip, Black Philip, dude, the creepiest fucking children, just scream, like screaming, just yelling, all sorts of things, and then just singing these little songs. These trashy, bored chi- children, dude. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Um, I will say though that with with like the goat, it's just it's so crazy to me that like. I don't know where I'm going with this. It's just like how they act around the goat. Cause the goats either a chilling or B fucking shit up. And like, it just, it just goes off. Like Charlie black Phillip is a fucking asshole. Well, I got to assume that the, that the devil was in the goat the whole time. The, yeah. No, the, uh, uh, Satan is the goat. Yeah. And in, he's in just this, whispering to the children. All of this time. is basically a story of this family going somewhere that is not safe right. from satan's influence is essentially what it is so when they go there this goat is on their farm with them influencing their children uh, a big point of the story as well is the selling of their daughter they're going to be selling her off when she hits puberty that's a big point of uh, contention in this movie as well or not contention rather just an important note 
Um, and that is also what begins her transformation throughout the film as well, too. That kicks that off as well. Her willingness to betray her mother and father, another sin. They're well. all, the, all the Puritan sins are displayed. Like, the entire family does all of them throughout this whole movie. As yeah. well Every as single like time. The son just trying to not have his sister be sold. Just so I didn't know. So that was actually one of the questions that I had for you guys was what, how did you feel about their relationship? Because at some point it suggests that the little brother was looking at her in a sexual way. Oh, absolutely. And he then is. in other ways it was like, he was just caring about his sister, but it was like, they're the only people that they see. So right. there was like, what was going on with that? Um, my read on that is that it's, it's the representation of the lust sin. Okay. And even later on, it, like, falls into that. He's, like, constantly lusting after his sister. That's the only, like... As in, like, real... all of the sins were shown? All of them are. Yeah. The father The father was his excommunicated pride. for being prideful. He's always out chopping the logs. He believes that he is the top dog when he can't actually do that many things right. As in, like, the seven deadly sins? Yes. Okay. As yes. in, like, the, the, the Puritan idea yeah. of sins as well. Like, the reason why the child is taken and why the witch can actually take it and use it is because Puritan belief dictates that... All babies are are sinful when they are born until yeah. they are actually cleansed. Like they're Be- baptized. Yes. Uh, and during this one, the family is excommunicated before that baby is able to be cleansed. Right. So easy target for the witch in this one, in which case is used to make her fly. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that you brought up the seven deadly sins because the mother represents wrath. How she has oh, hatred. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I, yeah. I was actually going to ask, like, what the other thought, because I know the boy's lust, the father's pride. I got the rest of them here. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah go dude. Go for it. Go so, for it, Realm Off. Wrath is the mother. She hates her daughter, as well as she is very, like, spiteful to anyone who kind of just comes across her path. Where's my cup? Where's... And she assumes the daughter stole it. And she it. assumes that the daughter stole it. Uh, lust, obviously, the, for the fucking little boy trying to pervert on his sister. And then eventually falls into the lust with the but, witch yeah, that yeah. Was with, weird. with the interesting bit there another one that reflects back on the garden of eden point that i made earlier is that he coughs up an apple like a rotten apple yeah afterwards representing that sort of idea after having told his mom a lie mm-hmm. about going into the woods because he thought he saw an apple tree uh, it's also the expression of nudity as well as a big thing because Puritans also believed that nudity was sinful as well. So covering yourself entirely. So that's why the witches are always naked. Yeah. When the boy returns, he's completely naked. Um, like at the ending of the movie, when she like takes off her dress naked, when she takes off her dress to go join the, w- every single time, yeah. it's like this repetitive. Anyway, continue on Murray. You have oh, more no, sins to read. Uh, so sloth and glutton are the twins. They don't help. They don't help with anything. All they do is just eat yeah. and play yeah. and just do nothing. That's great. That's so good. It makes it makes so that. much sense for that it's one. It's so obvious. Yeah, I didn't even I love see it. it. That's so funny because they're just these shitty little no. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And then uh, <laughs> the older daughter Thomason is envy and greed as she like basically becomes envious of the people inside the society. She just wants to fit in and she doesn't want to live on a shitty farm where corn is rotting and fucking uh goats are bleeding i don't know why i had a huge amount of empathy for thomason as in like i felt like nothing that happened to her was deserved like she really just had a shit time like trying to just be okay with her family but then like nobody wanted to listen to her so she's like fuck it i'm gonna go to witchcraft and like the devil pretty much was like hey you want some cool shit Interesting. <laughs> you want to live deliciously i think is what he says yeah, yeah. Like such a live? great line yeah. <laughs> well it's it's great because it's delivered in the like <laughs> the goat's voice and mouth so you're like this goat is talking to her and it just felt weird but like kind of a surreal moment what is thou like a pretty dress <laughs> i was so scared i was like i was like oh god are they gonna make him sound like a goat and i was like oh they didn't Thank no god. no i also like that at the end uh there they actually have a person that manifests from the goat yeah as like an actual representation of Satan, and he he's kind of like he's kind of pirate looking. Yeah, it's interesting. You well, don't see him very long though; like it's very quick. So there, there's another interpretation of all of these events going on with this family as well, which is we have all this rotting fruit, right? Right. So right, my, uh, rotting fruit could also be a, a form of rot called ergoatism, which is a form of like it like it rots through fruit. It can rot away its skin and whatnot, and it spreads like that. So if the and it can also create a a a, a, a mycotoxin. So essentially, like it has like and it has um, psychedelic capabilities, 
on people as well. So the ability for it to potentially influence this family, make them all go completely nuts is a possibility with their food. And it's also what some historians think it might be what led to the Salem witch trials as well. What led people to be so fervent about that. As in like the people were all getting infected with something. Yep. As an in ergotism infected their food. They ate it. It infected them and then affected their minds. Oh, what? I yeah. I've never heard of that yep. for the Salem mm-hmm. witch trial. Yep. Look it up. It's an interesting stuff. Yeah. This oh, movie is set two years before the Salem witch trials. Mm-hmm. Uh, shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, it was interesting to see the older witch who was like, obviously like hunched over bathing herself in like the baby's blood for, I don't know. Bits and gristle. Yeah. Like like, it's it's mash. She mashes the baby in like a churner. Yeah. It's pretty intense. (laughs) (laughs) That baby was cute too, dude. It was. And it was. uh... Uh, What a great piece of horror too. At the beginning when she's saying peekaboo and then he suddenly disappears. Oh yeah. (laughs) I was like, I know he's going to be gone right now. I didn't watch the trailer, but I was like, this is... This yeah, is it was good. in the trailer, which is kind of wild. But that was just, like, it's so inexplicable. Like, you're looking, and then he's gone suddenly the next second. Like, how do you even explain that to someone? And then this adds on to the mom being upset with her and blaming her for the kid being gone. She even is just like, oh, what Like, what happened to my silver cup? Did a wolf, like, steal that away, too? And like Mothers the, being yeah. mad at their children for things and missing dead children interesting there's a similarity in plot i'm seeing <laughs> with these two movies right i know it's kind of oh man both bo- and both families getting completely cursed mm-hmm. um yeah and I, these are like this is actual like demons curses and things like that like hereditary goes full-blown into like a demon possession yeah the witch i mean the witch herself she manifests in many forms she takes form yeah. of the rabbit and the crow um, yeah, the rabbit was creepy. The, the the rabbit's creepy, but here's another thing. There's multiple women dancing at that fire at the end of the movie. Yes. So who's to say that there aren't multiple witches and not just a single That's true. witch? I mean, Caleb came across the just the one witch hut, and mm-hmm. she was in there. So mm-hmm. they could be hanging out in there. Yeah, and it never implied that that was the same witch ever. So there could be multiple. Yeah. I think so, anyway. That's a good idea. They've uh, all been watching them. That was such a great ending. To, like, have them all dancing around the fire and then, like, lift up. Yeah. I, I mean, how great is it that right before so she's, like, baptized in her own mother's blood and, like, com- completes, like, her whole transformation. It goes full circle at that point. Yeah, it's true. This film. I think my one of my favorite scenes is when Caleb comes through and has his one-shot take about his entire, like, poem, just love for Jesus Christ. Like, oh, kisseth me upon the mouth. I love thy Jesus so, I will come into your kingdom you know, and lay upon your lap. Was that like scripted or was he just like off the cuff? That's scripted, but it's but one he got take. it. He got it in one take. That's and that's, yeah, that's, that's why impressive. I think he's like my favorite character in this because like and then he just pulls dies. Because <laughs> the thing is like with the Puritans in any household, you're expecting your son to, to be the man of the house when you're gone. Yeah. So him trying to take like the reins and like grab the gun and go look out the traps, it makes like perfect plot sense and perfect like just natural genes inside him that he wants to save his sister as well as like i don't know just try to be an adult about things because he's like oh i saw my dad do this i could do this right um but (laughs) yeah that was all one shot and it was just i think it was incredible how he like contorts his body to like fit it and then he finally just revels in ecstasy and it dies (laughs) so i'm assuming he dies and like in their version goes to heaven because he was like able to come to that moment. Otherwise, he was going to be possessed. They not al- really explained. They also say that the fucking devil preaches scripture as well, and that he can sh- preach scripture just as normal as any other person on the earth can. Well, shit. Yeah. They're just yeah. not having a good time. Uh, man, to, the Puritans are just an interesting timepiece for some, because this is almost a, a movie that would really make Puritans fucked up and like fuck up a Puritan if they still existed. You know, because these are people that like believe that God is in literally everything around them and that it's like enveloping and that he is like watching all the things that they do. So I really like how well this movie captures that feeling. It's like another game. It's like a game that I played, not another game, but a game that I've played, which was, um, what was that kingdom come deliverance? I think, which is set in like the middle ages, but they view like every character you talk to views God that way as well as if they're in all enveloping. And so it's very interesting to be in like a setting like that where everyone's just like, Oh yeah, dude, you don't want to 
piss him off he's like right over there you know <laughs> he's just like it's very strange the god but, forgives but he is all encompassing and wrathful if you do not please them uh so basically like i really like the dialect between the father and the son yeah uh, it's like oh well you know our baby died our my, my brother died he wasn't baptized is he is he in hell then and then it's just like the father trying to come to terms to like comfort his son but at the same time where is where is his belief yeah and then when they come together at the table and they're like reading the scripture to have dinner. It's just like also when they're trying to pray for Caleb and the fucking twins forget and they blame it on Thomason for oh God, making them little forget the shit. scriptures. Dude, so like that was so that was one of the parts where I knew that it was either them pretending and just adding on to the what their parents believed already, or they had already like made weird deals with the devil and he was then just like making them do shit because they're children and couldn't they didn't know any better so it was just hard to tell at some point because they're always hanging out with him they're always singing songs about him like i couldn't tell if he had already just like taken control of them and was just taunting the rest of them and then it comes back when thomason talks to her dad and it's just like hey they've been making deals with black philip the all-encompassing goat that represents satan these are your children and so then he does the funny thing where he just picks them up by the shirt. And right. And he's like, ah! Oh! They scream in his face. Um, but then he's just like, all my children are fucked up. I'm just putting you all in the barn with the goat, and I'm just calling it a night. Yo, I don't know. Like, I would have lost it as a parent. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Like, why are you just screaming yeah, like this? no joke. And then the poor dude gets fucking just destroyed by the goat. <laughs> Here, here's here's an interesting bit about his about his death by the goat is that he spends most of this movie chopping wood. Yeah. Constantly building this huge pile, like the biggest pile of wood, the, the immaculate representation of all of his uselessness to his entire family. (laughs) And he is stabbed by a goat and buried in the wood. (laughs) Yeah. That is his pride. Yeah, exactly. That's great. That's, uh, that's fully intended. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Absolutely. No, it's genius. It's so good. After watching this film, I could see how he made the lighthouse, though. Because I didn't watch this movie when it came out. I watched it just now. Man, that's true. I feel like this was a great intro to his filmmaking. It's like, what a what a debut film to make something like this. Like, it's so it's it's really good. uh, Technically speaking, like the the um, what is it? The cinematography, cinematography, the sound. Like the script, I think was well done too for being an old English, and having certain moments kind of come through, especially with like the Puritan beliefs. Uh, the only thing that I didn't really like so much was just the use of natural lighting. But I get why it makes sense to use the dark gloominess of that area. It's just ironic that it wasn't actually in North America. They filmed like somewhere in Canada. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, trying to get that look might be hard to find spots exactly like that nowadays. Where you can well, do all apparently, that filming, but... they didn't film in North America because of like taxation stuff and like oh. the money things. Oh wow! So they didn't want to pay to like yeah. go to an area for that, so it was cheaper to film in Canada. And the, the thing is, Robert Eggerts, he hates horror movies. He does not like them. He he actually is like. You know, I have like I like Psycho and I like The Shining and like The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Cuz the thing is like to him like when he was 4 years old, like The Wicked Witch of the West was the scariest shit ever and he's like I still think that that's a pretty scary character in film history. Interesting. Um I don't know what to make of that considering he made such a good horror film with yeah, with mean, both of these. It it's good because I think that he attached he tries to get into a different type of horror than just right. like ha the bad guy's gonna stab you. Well, oh, you yeah. know, oh, don't get naked and fuck because he'll stab you. <laughs> don't yeah. do that. All it's the more 80s of like films. it's more of like what is human grief like? What is existence like? What is like living like like? Also, you know, both of these times. are both they're both really slow burning yeah. horror films. You don't you have to watch it all the way until the end to get a full picture of what's going on. Like within the last like five minutes of the film really like solidifies a lot of things for you. The music in these movies is pretty haunting too. It's just like the, the trees are screaming basically the entire time. They do this music in the witch where it builds and builds and builds until it's almost like a scream, like what you said. And then it cuts, it cuts to like a loud noise or something else or just like staring. Uh, they do a lot of cuts to him chopping wood that are really fucking loud like after a quiet scene 
and that shit startled me a few times <laughs> just watching that and then hereditary just made me feel uncomfortable like right. i was Do i was want to segue to hereditary unsettled. now and like start talking about I, it i guess are we still on the witch i guess all i'll say is robert eggers wasn't trying to make the run of the mill he hates the slasher movies that's fair um and i think that's why it didn't really do so well in the like public's eye it's very period piece the like you said mitch the dialogue is very old and archaic but it's not supposed to be like that it's it's a new england folktale yeah and it's supposed to be played out like that and if you're expecting going into this movie expecting a good horror movie as a horror movie you're not gonna get a lot out of it i like the fantasy elements of it a lot i think I, he just made it too early yeah, he made it in 2015. People weren't quite on that vibe of horror film yet, and they will be within like two years. Yeah, so it's like it's good time to go and revisit a movie like this because you'll enjoy it. I will say though, I think now it has a bit of a cult following. Yeah, now now it has the respect that it deserved back then over five years, but back then no. He did get a lot of praise from critics though. People really liked it, and they saw that it was a good piece of filmmaking. So he at least had that. Um, but I think. It's well-paced. I'm glad that it's only an hour and a half. I think if it was any longer, it would have dragged out. But it was like, it's such a good encapsulated story of the family falling apart. And I hadn't noticed all of the sins that you guys had mentioned. I was just focused too much on like the technique of him making the film. And I think the shots are really good. There, there's so much to talk about this film historically. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like on historical criti- like criticism basis, it's very, very interesting to watch. And whatnot, having like the knowledge of you know the past when it comes to all of this. There's a lot of stories about just terrible, awful things happening to the settlers in North America because they didn't know the land, they didn't know how to grow anything there, they could barely build houses sometimes, and they didn't want to get the help from the Native Americans there. Or if they did, they would abuse the shit out of it, and then they wouldn't help them anymore. So they just there's just so many stories of them having an awful time. There's like Roanoke where they like everyone just disappeared. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, at the end of the movie, if you go through the credits, it says that it was, like, based off of old diaries, old stories that have been passed down generation to generation. And they get worse as they go on, I'm sure, because people retell it and add some extra things to it, because they're all very superstitious. The base story of it was really just, we didn't like the town, and we left. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And someone was like, yo, I don't know where, it was the one guy that came back and everyone was gone. Because he got lost in the woods or something. <laughs> and he's like, where'd everyone go? Man, Satan came up, grabbed them all. <laughs> like... Right. <laughs> also, Ralph Innocent's voice is fucking great. Yeah, the dad. Yeah. He's just, I don't know how you even have a deep voice like that. It's deep. It's raspy. Like, he has such a good voice acting voice. And he just looks like a fucking Game of Thrones character. Because he was. Well, that's because he is. Because <laughs> he is. But here's Wait, the thing, who like, was he in Game of Thrones? I never watched Game of Thrones. Here's, here's a crazy suggestion about the look of this character as the father. To display his pride even more, looks very Jesus-like. Very At least true. the Puritan idea of Jesus, anyway. He's also pretty ripped. Yeah. Jesus did have abs. He had, like, a six-pack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say now is a good time to say Hereditary. Hereditary. Uh, what did you guys think right off the bat from Hereditary? You, you know, man. What did you expect? So this child, <laughs> a sweet, we've talked sweet about child. This, we have, yes, we have. I'm sure. I think I'm. I think I'm doing a callback right now to that episode because that's right. the only part I remember making a joke about is that the child in Hereditary is sort of ugly. You be nice <laughs> to Millie Shapiro. It's her first acting role, and she plays Charlie well. <laughs> Moral of the story, don't eat chocolate cake. Don't eat... Whoa, whoa, whoa. It was the nuts. Yeah, it, uh, it was an allergic reaction. The nuts. <laughs> Poor girl couldn't breathe, so... Yeah. Oh, hereditary. So, Hereditary, uh, directed by Ari Aster, the man who made Midsommar. Uh, it was released in 2018. And another A24 film. Another A24 <laughs> film. $10 million budget, made 80000 worldwide. $80 million. 80 million. <laughs> uh, on the cast, we have Alex Wolf as Peter. You may rem- uh, remember him from the Naked Brothers band on Nickelodeon. <laughs> Holy shit. What the fuck? Alex Wolf from the Naked that Brothers That is band. the dude. Oh, my God. He's also in the new Jumanji. He's actually a pretty decent actor. I'm glad he's taking these routes. Right. Uh, Gabriel Bryan as Steve. 
who I didn't know his name was Steve until halfway through the movie. Yep. Tony Collette as Annie, fucking psycho. Millie Shapiro as Charlie. And a bunch of other people we don't really give a fuck about. Sick. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, the main person in this film is either the mom or or the son. Like everybody yeah. else is kind of secondary. Mm-hmm. I felt so bad for Peter through all of this. Right, he gets oh, oh he gets such oh, terrible so shit much happening. Discuss so much about this. It's nuts. <laughs> uh, I do like the mom as an actor. She's phenomenal all the way through, and just can absolutely show her losing her fucking mind oh yeah once it gets closer really to the edge of or the end of the movie and she displays all of it so well she has great face acting where you can see all of this emotion coming through her face and then she just so shows all the panic and anxiety that's building up in her i'd say we had a lot of really skilled actors in this movie they yeah. did not they did not get like some chump shit like you know they brought in some real talent for this one i think you know, nothing like, I mean, maybe nothing that's going to, like, start winning awards or whatever the fuck, if that's, like, your, you, what you care about. But they do their roles well enough to portray this suffering family. Uh, the movie opens up with uh, a funeral. Like, a funeral, like a eulogy being on being spoken, I believe, by uh, Annie, the mother. Yeah, and she's very, like, promiscuous because there's a lot of faces that she does not recognize. A lot of people there that are just like she's never seen her entire life, <clears throat> which yeah foreshadows what's to come. Right, which is really fucking intense once you get to the end. <laughs> um, and then basically we're just after the funeral, we're just going into the daily lives of these people. Peter likes to smoke weed and just chill out. Poor dude, yeah. he's just trying to chill. Yeah. <laughs> the whole movie, it's just, just Peter wants to chill and how Peter can't chill. Yeah. It's the same thing with Color Out of Space. Yeah. Or that other that brother character just wanted to smoke weed. Yeah, gets disintegrated by the well. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, you know what's interesting about this one is the uh, Annie makes the uh, dioramas. Yeah, she makes these little dioramas yeah. for people, like little miniatures and whatnot. Um, but what's interesting is that uh, they'll do interesting things with shots where they'll do a close up on one of those, Man, yeah. and then have it fade into the actual scene, almost creating this. I kind of idea that like the family is always being watched. Ooh, like or, there's always this yeah. unsettling feeling that the fe- that the family's being watched every time. Like even at like the first, like there you'll see the cult members, which we are we're spoiling everything anyway. But the cult members are in like every other scene of this movie. Yeah, like all over the place. You can find them or or re- or things related to them. There's a good read on the dollhouse, uh, simply because uh, when you play with dolls, they are in your control. Uh, the family here is just on the ride that they have no control over because of the premonitions made by their grandmother. So right. she set the wheels in motion, and now basically they're living with their son trying to be possessed by a Well, as far demon. as I understood, the grandmother basically had uh, promised this demon members of her own family to like possess and specifically male bodies because that's what the demon wanted. And then in the intro of the film, it starts with a text that she tried it on her son and her father, but like the father killed himself. Right. And then uh, the the son was saying, oh, she's trying to put people in me. Yeah. You get a really good uh, piece of foreshadowing for it. And doesn't he just like hang himself? He becomes schizophrenic and then he does eventually kill himself. But it's like, it's preluding the fact because Charlie and the grandmother were close. And so she probably knew about some of these cult members and probably had, this is really crazy. I'm going to go a little bit in depth here. So there's a special herb that is used to uh, basically bring up payment. And it is shown throughout the film, but not basically shown in your face. There are pictures of Charlie being breastfed and fed this herb because she wanted to use Charlie as the vessel but found out that the uh, actual demon wants a, a man. Right. So she had to somehow figure out a way to put Charlie's soul within inside of Peter. And so you see it when uh, the the mom character goes to, is her name Jean? Uh, Jean? Joanne. 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 Jo- she gets tea, and then the herb is inside of her tea. And she's, like, looking at it. And, like, I thought that was a throwaway scene. I thought that was nothing. Oh. But it turns out that for payment to be summoned, it requires a couple things. It requires the herb. 
as well as it requires a sacrifice of three heads to summon the actual demon. Damn. Um, so that would be Lee, the grandma, who is decapitated from her gravesite yeah. and thrown into the attic. Then it's Charlie. Then and it's, then it's Charlie. Mom. And mm-hmm. the thing is, w- with the pillar that Charlie gets her head destroyed on, it has the sigil of payment. Yeah. Because the cult is basically curating this dollhouse to m- make this shit go down so that they could have payment. Everything that payment does in the what is it in the 1863 edition of the the book that they read which one uh the spiritualism one yes oh, okay uh, I, I can't remember there's there is payment is mentioned in quite a few really old archaic texts he's mostly like, that known talk about him from the lesser key of solomon yeah. um but his powers include uh it is the knowledge of past and future events clearing up doubts making spirits appear Creating visions, acquiring and dismissing servants, reanimating the dead for up to several years, flight, remaining underwater indefinitely, and the ability to make all kinds of things and all sorts of people and armor appear. He also is like known as like the keeper of secrets yeah. as well, who he will tell you secrets as long as you relinquish a secret of your own. <laughs> it's That's some it's it's there's some very strange, like it's all occultic occultic uh, stuff with this yeah. one. Um which is very interesting. Another interesting bit is um, they do some parallels with some Greek tragedies, um, one of which is uh, the tragedy of Hercules as well, where he's killed by his own wife after ignoring like warning signs and things like that as well, similar to how the characters interpret a lot of the signs. They are very ignorant to what's going on around them, very ignorant that there are people watching them all the time, especially at like the funeral... Um, there was that weird like, guy staring at Charlie. Yep. Oh, there's also the naked guy in the attic that appears randomly. There's, oh, that was the stuff there, of nightmares. There's one. <laughs> there's one exterior shot. I didn't notice it's the first time I had to go back, but there's one exterior shot where it's an outside shot of the house, and there's naked people surrounding the entire house. Oh shit! I yes. missed that one. Yes. I missed that shot. Yep. Holy crap! That's crazy. Also, I'm glad that you bring up the Hercules thing because that's what the lesson was in Peter's class. Yeah, exactly. Go over it. I know. There was there was two of them. There was that one, and then there was the uh, story about I don't know if I'm saying it you, right, you, Iphigenia oh. or if Iphigenia, the the daughter of King Agamemnon and Clementria. Mm-hmm. Clementria. Mm-hmm. But basically, she was a princess, and she offends the god Artemis, and they demand that she gets killed as like payment for the like the offense. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's funny because that always happens in high school classes where they tell you these stories that are just really deep. They have a lot of meaning to them, but like mm-hmm. these kids don't give a fuck about yeah, exactly. what you're telling no, them in a don't. high school class. And then it's just, it's meant to be just like the background, but it's put here purposefully as like a connection for people to make while you're watching it. Yeah, it, it definitely is. It's, it's well done too. And yeah. also there's another, a little tidbit is that at the end of the movie, the teacher is in the, yeah, is in there. Yeah. The teacher, I the teacher of his so. class is there and that's the most fucked up oh. part. Thank you for bringing that up because remember when Peter has that like anxiety attack from smoking weed with his friends, the dude is in the, the end scene as well. One of the, one of his friends that he's smoking weed with is in the actual, uh, Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. He has like a bun. He put the herb that is required to summon payment inside his weed. Oh that's my why he, god! That's why he's, yeah. How did I miss this shit? These the this family is doomed. Yeah. from the very beginning. So many of the people movie. that are just fucking with them. They also yeah. say that what is it? Uh, punishment is wisdom was another thing because they're they're alluding to all those Greek stories. Right. So it's just like a big. There's so much little details in Hereditary that it's like even the the big main parts. They're just a lot of foreshadowing and like tension. And that's what you're saying. You were very anxious when you watched this movie, right? Yeah. Watching it, uh, I felt super uncomfortable. Uh, I felt like when you're watching it, you end up getting the sense that the family is helpless, that you know things that are going on, but you can't tell them anything. So it creates that dramatic irony with the audience where like they often do this with Greek tragedies and with Shakespeare stories where you would know something, but the character didn't. So you have to watch them walk just full blown into like a trap. Basically. I I feel like a a big thing that's analyzed in this movie is like the futility of life sort of idea. Like where is our actual place in this world? What place do you actually 
what purpose do you actually serve? Because all of these these people do have their own lives, but none of them in, actually matter like tangibly in any way because they are all made to serve bringing Paymon into the world. So it kind of raises questions like that as well, too. And I was thinking, like, it's just so crazy how all these gears are in motion. Uh, even Joanne, she fabricates the whole thing about her, yeah, her, uh, her son and grandson, um, because you see her at I don't know what it was, Michaels or whatever. She's buying stuff for miniatures, of course, but you see Joanne buy chalkboards in her car. There are chalkboards in the back of her car, and then she goes to do the sermon thing. Is like, hey, we did a séance. We could talk to your dead children and your dead grandmother. Oh, man. I just feel like she definitely should have known that a seance is a bad idea. <laughs> Anyone who ever knows anything about these things, it's not always a good idea. Well, she do doesn't. That's the deal. Like her, She's very, vastly ignorant to everything. The only reason I say that she probably should know is because after after her scare in her workshop, she goes and looks up like an article and things about it. Like She reads up on it and looks up like a really scientific article on it. Which made me think that she would be really skeptical and probably wouldn't do it. But I guess she was meant to be desperate in that moment, wanted to like have some communication. The thing is, like, the father is also a psychologist. Uh, it is seen in the email that he ha- oh, that's he right. is a psychologist, and he thinks that this entire thing is just the work of his mom uh, of the mother. Like yeah. at the end, like I was like, oh, this is like minor gaslighting. Like you're the one who put your mother's fucking body up there. You're the one who's like setting all this stuff. You're the oh, one who's that's right. Shit up. He even did. He didn't tell her about the the grandmother's grave getting like dug up. Yeah, because he thought he would just feel horrible about it. Um, but then there's also a bunch of things where she sleepwalks. She has God, a, that's terrifying. She sleepwalks, and there's that story where she had all that. Uh, what was it? Petrol or gasoline or whatever? It was a paint thinner. Paint thinner and poured it all over Charlie and uh, Peter. And had the matchbox, and then just at the last moment when she lit the match, that's when she woke up and realized what she was doing. Yeah, so this is an element of the story that was weird because you then get suddenly a very unreliable narrator with the mom. Because at one point, she's like trying to yank the head off Peter through like the, the bars on his bed because she's sleepwalking. And so you have to then consider all the things that have happened previously. Was it the mom sleepwalking or was it actually some other shit happening? Or was the sleepwalking her getting possessed? Or does she have like PPID or whatever that's, <laughs> whatever that's called? I think it's like whatever. What was that? What was that mental? Because it, it explores that idea as well. Like in something personality disorder. What's that called? Oh, it's it's a BID or something like that. BID? Is it BID? I'm not uh, sure. There was, they met, referenced it once in the movie. I, I had to look it up. Oh, totally okay. Forgot. Um, but there are a lot of things like the mother sleepwalks while she's possessed. There are scenes where she is in the corner of oh, Peter's God. room, just on the roof. Yeah. Or like in the like bottom left-hand corner in a, in a corner, just staring at him. There's a lot of fucking scenes where you just see the cult members just chilling in the house. And like I couldn't recognize who the people were at some points. I was like, is that the grandma? Is that the mom? Is that the dad? Who is that? Yeah, you have to pay close attention because there's nothing to give them away unless you look into certain parts of, like, the darkness. Uh, this movie is meant to be watched a second time. Yeah, totally. Because like, then when you know what the whole point of the ritual is, it's more interesting to watch it all unfold again with the knowledge of how it uh, concludes, basically. This also plays with the idea of certain fears that people have about the darkness and seeing things, like when you're alone in your own house. Sometimes random objects might scare you, like a jacket on a chair. You mm. might think it's a person. Yeah, I think it's a person. And there's even a scene where he looks over and it looks like a woman bent over, and then he looks again and it's just the coat and like like the hood is over the chair. It's happened to me so many fucking times. All the time. That kind of stuff happens to you so regularly in your own house. And then, like, when she gets scared in her workshop where she thinks she sees something and it's just like... But then when Charlie actually shows up and talks or doesn't really say anything but, like, moves forward, does the noise, yeah, and he keeps hearing it. The scene where he loses it at his desk is great. Where he's, like, looking at the reflection of himself that's just smiling back at him. Oh, yeah. My, My favorite scene that he's in is right after Charlie gets decapitated. 
that's my favorite scene of Peter because it's just that moment of silence and dread. He he can't look at the back seat of his car. Yeah. He says, "Are you okay?" Like he and you can tell in his voice that he doesn't like he knows that it's he knows. He drives all the way home. Yeah, he just drives home. I would have gotten rid of that fucking car. This is well, yeah, this is this is a crazy part of the movie as well because you see two different types of reactions to death in this movie. You see the one the type of death that you're prepared for, the grandma where where you go basically oh the, like grandma's going to die we're prepared for this this is always right and then you have the one that you're not prepared for yeah which is finding your headless daughter in the back of your son's car just talking about getting yeah. fucking traumatized yeah oh and then that like glorious that. scene of the severed head on the side of the road covered in fucking ants oh god they ended up <laughs> using the head on that wooden sculpture yep. at the end too yep which is so fucked up yep the thing is also, when he's getting possessed in the school and basically fucks himself up, his uh, his, his left hand, hand just pops up, pops up and points. It is the staff of Paimon that oh, it is fuck. referencing, and you see it at the end with the the entire like actual idol yeah. they made with Charlie's head on top. Yeah, it's just like there's so many minor details, but the thing is, I thought that it was pretty weird that the mom wanted Charlie to even go to the party. Like, yeah, I don't. I guess she was trying to prevent peter from like drinking that's a terrible thing which he he didn't do he actually ended up just smoking weed but you know that was yeah he even tells her at their dinner where he's just like why was she even there in the first place like you're the one who made me take her and like is putting the blame off of himself that's such an intense moment because you're like bro you're just lighting a fire right now like there's no like well she loses it she's just like fucking like you don't talk to me that way because i'm your mom like don't ever raise your voice at me yeah, and like stop sitting there with a face on your face <laughs> that was so yeah, funny fucking face on your face it's like, like the ultimate frustration of just yeah. like you can't think of anything else so you're just like if, if that's written face. it's genius it's oh, so totally. genius. if that's written if that's written that's so genius like i think I it was it. i think yeah. that moment might have been we also have to talk about the light in this movie that controls everything and sets everything in motion yo so what was that exactly it looks like a ring of light that focuses it's it's basically like the uh, algamation of payment, sending you to your desired path that he wants you to go to. Oh wow! And where you're going to go so he could be summoned. Oh, you're talking about that that camera, that little effect that where yeah. like where it like blinks on like the yes. walls and the everything, walls and, and then everything. like centers on a point. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's totally like you being led. That's yep. definitely you being. So led. the thing is, there's also a part where she is like doing her miniatures, and the light blinks, and uh, she's like gonna go reach for it. The bottle that falls over on her table falls on its own. Yeah. It's not touched by her. And then that's when she grabs the card that has the number for Joanne. Yeah, exactly. It's leading her to, to all of these oh, things. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The whole family's fucked. And it's not even it's not in their control. They are the dolls in the dollhouse. Yeah. Because the it's grandma has the grandma has uh set plans for them because she couldn't get it done herself, so she has to use her second generation to get it done. And she was the queen. She's Queen Lay. Yeah. So, I mean, they probably had so many sex orgy parties and nasty shit going uh, down. <laughs> Yo, wait. <laughs> probably, dude. They're always naked. Uh, they're always naked, and there's a lot of photos with them hanging out together in the, those photo albums. Uh, the nudity being a rejection of the Trinity, similar to the witch, following an old Puritan ideal. Yeah. Idea once again. We're coming back to this this idea of sin again. Yeah. Oh, well. totally. And like, well, because they even say in the beginning, like, we reject the Trinity, et cetera, et cetera. And then doing so, a big, like, fuck you to the church is being completely naked in all your rituals and everything is a giant, big, like, fuck you. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So is, so at the end, is, is Peter then going to live on with the demon inside him? Peter's gone. He's dead. Yeah. It's now Paymon, and, and then he will give notice, secrets. If you notice, when he jumps out the window, his soul leaves his body. No, I did not notice anything. Yep. Well, like, like there you was. You see a sh- silhouette of his soul leave his body, Shit. and then you see that blue light of payment go inside of him. Oh, damn! So he like legit killed himself and then left his body open. Yep. That's why he just willingly goes up and yeah, walks. Yeah, and that's in why there. they call her Charlie. Charlie, we put you in a new body. It's the male form that payment requires. Oh wow. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot more it's, details. It's all in this. a big effort to get a evil demon out of a little child into a boy. That's the whole thing. That's I, it. <laughs> I will say the marketing for this was interesting because they didn't give away any plot. Nothing. It was a lot of fast-paced editing, and like it makes you believe that the 
daughter Charlie is to blame for all of this, but she right. wasn't. Or that she's like the main antagonist, which she technically is, but isn't. At the, you know what I mean? Right. Like she's not. Maybe she may not be aware of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she's you know she's being controlled and manipulated by the grandma ever since birth. When the grandma would fucking feed her the herb to summon right, she the mom tells this story about where she would take her away from her because she had to be the one to feed her, to breastfeed her. Yeah, and she thought it was a joke or like just her being really stubborn, but like it was for a reason. And then I think it's so intense when because the thing is the entire movie we're like, what is grandma's cult? What is going on? Right. And then she gets into the box of stuff, and that's when you see like the the pillows. That everyone else had, like jo- Joanne had, that she right. had, and there's one for Charles, yeah, who was supposed to be Charlie, because Charlie was supposed to be a boy, right? And she was so like disturbed by the fact that she couldn't have Payman come I through again. Jeez, I miss the Charles and then the Charlie. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's why. The, that's why they named her Charlie. Yeah, so weird. Yeah. After her dead father. Yeah, a lot of small details. Also, for the marketing, they accidentally aired this trailer at a screening for Peter Rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) And so many kids in Australia were crying, and the parents were just fucking hysterical. That's kind of funny. I'm not going to lie. Funny, but terrifying. This evil, ugly girl on the screen is going to get me, Ma! Wait till you see the scene with her 30 minutes in. Yo. Where she cuts the pigeon's head off. Yo, so what the fuck? She's just like... Snip. Snips the head off and then just takes... Paymon's like like an unconscious Paymon desire. I need heads. (laughs) (laughs) I I think one of the biggest oh shit moments was when uh, Annie goes back to Joanne's house. And Joanne's not there. But all of her ritual stuff is there. And it's focused on Peter. She has the pigeon doll there set up yep. made in payment and then she has her sigil just opened up and lit yep this is in charlie's room yeah yeah mm-hmm. or no in joanne's joanne's, joanne's house. house yep this yep. is also the moment of a really good shot for cinematography where she's walking down the hallway and it it's pointed at her and she walks by and the camera goes above her and then she passes it and it goes down behind her she's, she's over her head yeah oh geez yeah that's pretty much it it's so good and it's so out of place because it's a completely different shot than what you had seen earlier in the film so it was a visual marker of something really terrible happening i think steve got it the worst because he's just trying to help his family trying to keep peter safe burned alive (laughs) and a stunning shot 100 percent of him just crisping up into some fucking some some fried chicken i was confused though that why did it burn him instead of her manipulation we need to keep annie alive because she is the conduit do you remember when she tried burning it originally though and it started lighting up her sleeve yes so was it just like was it just fucking with her and then he was like don't burn it like you're gonna burn so she thought she was gonna burn herself but then ended up burning her husband it could be just whoever burns this book gets it back but she tossed it in oh shit you're right that's why I was like, I was surprised to see the husband just light up. Also, in the beginning of the movie, when they come back from the funeral, I don't know if you guys heard, but there's people shuffling in the attic upstairs. No, I did not. There's so many small details I missed in this. Yep. There's people shuffling in the attic upstairs. That's so fucking funny. This is like when we watch The Invisible Man, and we're like, did you notice like the that, small things? That and yeah, there's just like, a whole what bunch. The fuck? Yeah. Um, just going back though, it's just like. Me and my friend were just like, white people be crazy. Because you never see people of color doing this kind of shit. Yeah, any sort of ritual movie, <laughs> cult movie, like, right. you're not usually going to find people of color. <laughs> at the same time, though, it's, it's, I, we were joking about that. We weren't being serious. But at the same time, we were just like, humans, though. Humans are always looking for this, the ancient secrets that they should not know. Yep. And accurate. that their, uh, their travel to get them and their sacrifices they make to get them are never worth the actual secrets that they gain themselves. Nope. And that they will always be basically lambs for the slaughter uh, <laughs> just to awaken some fucking 60,000-year-old demon. Uh, Yikes. Why would you get the Whore of Babylon out of the Giza pyramids, Ali Craster? <laughs> <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> so did you guys have any favorite scenes from either one of the films? I'll say it again. Just uh, in The Witch, just the kid. Doing his Shakespearean. Ode yeah, that to was God. really well done. 
in one take. I, I think that's impressive. Also, I love the fairy tale esque uh fucking witch cottage. That entire sequence where he's walking up and he's just like, Oh shit, it's a babe. <laughs> yeah, right. Like she's like transformed, very attractive woman in like a red cloak. Those are my two favorite scenes. What about you, Mitch? One moment. So the uh, the one second before I reveal my favorite scenes, <laughs> I have one thing I want to say, John. Yeah. Well, it's more so that this uh, question you brought up interested me enough to look up a uh, potential answer that we have for it. So in that moment, the demon goes and possesses and possesses the body of of Stephen once the book is snatched and whatnot, and it's not being burned. Switches bodies instantaneously, and then when she throws the book into there, it lights his ass on fire. Oh, Ooh. yeah, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true because they had all pretty much been a part of the ritual, yep. so he could jump around their bodies. Yep, that's basically it. That's a pretty good explanation. Yep, that's yeah. that's that's what you, that's the supernatural because it's not kerosene. There's not enough kerosene. Anyway, my yeah. favorite scenes in the movies. Uh, let's see what were the, what movies did we watch? You're joking, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see how long uh, you could hold it. Uh, yeah. So, let's see, my favorite scene in The Witch. Fuck, man, there's so many good ones in that in that movie. It's not. It's really like the movie itself has like you can't just view it in parts, really. You know, but I think one of my favorite ones is probably like the ending scene where uh, Black Philip is revealed to actually be Satan at the end, and then him whispering to her in that whole like bit where she walks out into the forest naked and starts flying. Shit's creepy. And awesome. Uh, and then you've got my favorite scene in Hereditary. Pro- like, it's a tie between the ending scene and then I, that, that scene right after Charlie gets hit. Like the scene where he's just sitting in the car because it's so powerful. Yeah. Because it's like that's exactly how anyone would feel in that situation. And it's like just portrayed so eloquently. He just does such a good job of it. Um, yeah. I will say for Hereditary, my favorite scene is just like when you don't know something's there like that shot oh, of God, the entire yeah. cult outside of their fucking house. There's like 17 of them. Yeah. They're just chilling in the out. bushes and shit. Yeah. Um, that as well as the scene where he's crowned. Um, yeah. Where they actually ex- explain their plan and you see this entire shrine and like the whole village of people. Also, the chalk scene was pretty cool because they actually had to put a magnet in between a piece of chalk. I figured that they used something real because it didn't look CGI. Nope. It was they literally had to open chalk, somehow put a magnet in it, and close it back up. Uh, you could probably drill like a hole into it and then put put a magnet strong enough in it. Pretty interesting stuff, though. That that works really well, actually. What were your, your favorite scenes? Um. For the witch, uh, I think it was just because I was laughing too much. But, uh, dude, when the dad gets fucked up by the goat, I thought it was hilarious. I was just like, yo, this dude, like, this goat is fucking up his life right now. Like, full-blown, just knocking him out. And just the way, so it's really dramatic. Like, it looks like a painting where you could pause it. And, like, if you see the goat, like, buck upwards and it's just got its horns in the air. And he's just, like, backing away from it because he doesn't know what's about to happen. And it just fucking kills him. Um, that part when he talks to the, to Thomason and like, com- it just completely breaks like the idea of what the movie was about. And it's just like full blown witchcraft and like evil things happening. And he just like presents her like how every other scene you would think like the devil is just give, trying to give you something where he's like, do you want this? Like, do you want to live like this? He's like, well, you should like come and follow me. And then takes her into the woods and she joins the rest of the witches, which gives you the idea that he's just been collecting women for for like witches to like serve him and it's like they're all young women who are probably in the same situation that is going on so there's a lot of interesting stuff with that one for hereditary um the scene you mentioned about right after charlie uh, charlie gets killed is just like it's a really well done piece of acting for him because he is terrified to check out the incident drives all the way home and then lays in bed and waits all the way until the morning he's awake the whole time so like you see the time pass around him but the camera doesn't move and then you hear the mom close the door and walk out and wait like a minute or two and then you hear the screams she says she's gonna go get some oil and then i'm just like oh no here it comes yep you know it (laughs) and then he realizes what's happened and she just loses it and then after that he stays there 
Um, but the only thing that was like I want I was poking holes in was that like no cops are involved. That was something I wanted to bring up. Where the fuck is the law enforcement? Yeah. So like in this moment, they would have at least come to the house to interview him. If like if the mom wasn't like pressing charges against him or something. Mitch, where the fuck were the cops in this movie? Where were the cops in this movie? None. Well, here's the thing. There was I, just I, no cops. I don't, I don't think that they're uh, – well, you're it was shot in Utah. Does Cop- it say Satan? Does it set in Utah? Cops can't help I, you with, no against idea. demons, but, I mean, uh, they would at least attempt to talk to you about My murder. My only assumption is that they are ignoring the family because they have ties to I, some police officers. You, you have that, or you have that narratively and filmmaking-wise, it made more sense to just move on to the funeral and who gives a shit about what happens with the cops. Right. That's not part of the story. That's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like I feel like they were like, I feel like they're trying to keep it focused. Like, you don't... What would the point be if there's a bunch of cops interviewing this kid? Like, they probably had it as a... They had an eye-gouging scene in this movie because yeah. it would be more realistic, but it didn't do well with the viewers, like, with the with the initial viewing of it, so they took it out of the movie. Oh, yeah. There's, so, a, there's yeah. a whole other hour of this movie that got cut. Yeah. Oh. And it does have the scene with the eye-gouging. Wait, who gets their eyes gouged out? Uh, it should be Peter. Yeah, oh. Because yep. Charlie protrudes to it in her notebook. Oh, she does a lot of times. Yeah, he's supposed to. It's kind of a wasted effort, actually, to have all that build up in there and then not actually have eyes being gouged yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, and then the other scene that really fucked me up was uh, the mom cutting her own head off, just yeah, sawing through it with whatever she has <laughs> with that wire. Yeah. And it's just like she's staring right at him as like part of like it is a happening. block of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> the the end scene with the. Uh, fucking treehouse yeah it mirrors the ending of midsummer so well yeah it really Just does how they look so similar two different rituals one ending and the other beginning interesting that's true yeah i need to go watch midsummer again so good i need to go watch the extended version and see how i feel about it Ooh. It might be, i might feel different after watching it a second time i think it is another it's a second viewing sort of movie too oh yeah uh so what would you guys rate these movies then uh, the Witch, I'd give it a solid eight, and then Hereditary. It's a new horror classic, probably a nine. It actually makes people scared. It makes yeah. people uncomfortable and anxious. And for a lot of people, I ask them, I'm like, "Do you like any modern horror films? Uh, modern horror films?" And all they say is, "Yeah, I liked Hereditary." That's usually what I hear. Yeah, it started like kind of uh, a new age of horror, I think, in some ways. That and a few other films were all in the same time period. I give The Witch uh, props for historical accuracy. Definitely. What do you think, Mitch? Nines across the board. Okay. I think nine. I think I think the amount of detail pay attention to in The Witch is really important, especially because it's a period piece, and I think that takes a lot of extra work just to it do does. to yeah. make it accurate. It's it's different than just re- like making a movie about a couple of cops in Brooklyn or something, you know, something that you can like easily just like read up on real quick. It's something you actually yeah. have to take time and actually know the source material well enough to do. So I feel like that deserves an eye. And then hereditary just has a very intricate plot for a really simple premise, you know, really intricate, like storytelling for a really simple premise. Great, great uh, example of showing and not telling when it comes to it as well. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I would give them like 8.5 nines, like uh, mostly because they're really well put together. I don't think anything about the films is wasted. There's no scenes where I was like, why is this here? Uh, there's no reason why we should do this. And uh, they both showed a really good understanding of fi- uh, family dynamics, how people are going to interact with each other and the problems you're going to encounter that are realistic. Like these are things that might actually happen. And then adding the extra layer of the time period. And what exactly has happened. So for the period piece, for them being Puritans, for them being worried about uh, how they are seen in God's eyes is constantly a thing that like permeates their whole life where they're just worried about it. They're praying constantly like that's the only thing they can revert to when something bad happens is praying because there's just no other thing they think will help them in that moment. And then it's countered by the witchcraft being brought into the story, which was just like a part of so many stories but it's really well done here because it's not excessive you don't have like a scene where the witch talks to somebody and you have this like evil plot that she's trying to (laughs) get to 
these the, the these movies just do really well with subtlety. Yeah. Subtlety in everything they do and then leading your breadcrumbs right to like the main the main course. You just gotta pay attention. You long, have to pay attention to them. The long burn. Yeah, they're really slow burn movies. They don't rely on a lot of jump scares. Although there is some moments that might scare you because of the cut the way they cut it. And it, it definitely had some moments where I was like, oh, fucking but shit. On, honestly, I love these movies because they don't do jump scares. That's one thing these yeah. movies don't do that I appreciate they don't right. do. They don't they, they allow tension yeah. and uh, just uneasiness to be what frightens you the most. The music complements it well. And I will say that uh, these are great directorial debuts from some of the better actors from A24 now. The fact that they both, you know, made these films and then later would make The Lighthouse and Midsummer, it's just, these are just as good as those two films. Oh, yeah. But I still feel that their latter movies are better. Yeah, they they uh, they were able to polish up what they did in these first films to create something that was way, way, way better in some uh, really interesting ways because they're carving this new genre of horror where people have to really pay attention and look at all the details and something like that to get a good payoff at the end of it. But it's up there with like really good horror films. It's worth it to pay attention. Ah, yeah. Uh, and definitely, uh, I don't know. This one was, I felt like you should probably watch it alone. Not going to lie. I don't think you should watch it with people. Both of these? Yeah. Just because like you're going to miss a bunch of stuff. If like someone's there like freaking out. I watched it with a friend who, or I watched Hereditary with a friend that was like, he's somewhat spiritually inclined as with myself. So like we, we have read some texts and all that. So we were just like, dude, this is nuts. Like we were like pointing out stuff to each other, but we, I had to go back and rewatch it because I was thinking I was seeing something and I, I was, you second guess yourself. Oh, some nice. Stuff. All right. So it's definitely one of those movies that you watch and then you got to watch again. Okay. Did you guys have any final thoughts before we wrap things up? Uh, go watch the movies. <laughs> yeah, that's my final thought. Go go see them. Figure out your own opinions. Don't listen to critics or the general public for anything ever, really. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, most of those critics are really mean Fuck when the they're police. writing reviews. Uh, especially people that just write reviews on like IMDb and shit. Most of them are fucking idiots. So, oh, my God. Like, yeah. yeah, just make up your own opinion. Go watch and make up your own opinion. <laughs> cool then before i let everybody go i just want to remind everyone we're super easy to find on all the streaming services we're basically anywhere that you can stream a podcast and i am slowly putting up the episodes onto youtube so we'll be caught up in the next few days and you'll be able to uh listen to them there if you don't want to go to any of the streaming sites so all you need to do is go into google search up bringing down the grindhouse you can also find us on our social media sites bdtgh underscore podcast and you can find us at instagram twitter as well as facebook we also have our patreon that is live currently so if you want to see some behind the scenes stuff with us outlines mitch give us money <laughs> <laughs> we do this for you <laughs> and you of course are able to help us create the schedule for future episodes you're able to vote on them send us messages we'll send you uh cool information about the podcast i post up outlines on there if you're curious about how we usually will go about uh, the episodes i am offering a full set of my own nudes of myself <laughs> drenched in blood for you people <laughs> full set <laughs> buy it get it oh man thank you so much for coming out to talk about this these two films i hope everyone has a good night i'm mitch I'm Murray. <laughs> and I'm Jonathan. Thank Happy you. Birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, John. <laughs>